Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 125 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Greg Wah. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, girl, I am going to make you sweat. And Elon Musk is going to get into your brain. Also, I'm going to smurf some smurfing smurf right into your smurf holes. Finally, spiders! But before we get to any of that, how was your week in science? I had a really scientific week. I, of course, are talking about the very scientific thing called Easter. Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when Easter actually falls, just so the audience knows, we're ruining the magic of what's going on here. We're actually recording this on Easter Sunday. So I think it's actually just called Easter. And and Easter Sunday is just Easter. That's Easter, isn't it? That's that's Easter day, I guess. But I mean, it's Easter Sunday. There's Easter Monday. That's just a public holiday. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, just so people know, today is Easter. And what may, people may not know is, why is today Easter? I don't mean the religious reason. It's never on the right day. Like, it's it's all over the shop. There's no way to predict when Easter is. Well, that's the thing. There's a way to predict where Easter is. It's astronomical. It's Once again, as all good things are, it's astronomically based. So all so, up in the air. It's a, No one knows. It's random. You just throw a dart. The Pope just gets a dart, and he hurls it at a dartboard, and that's where Easter is. That's what, that's what sometimes when he's drunk, we get like October Easter. It's really weird. I wonder anyway, how no, drunk the Pope gets. He, they, they probably drink a lot of wine. Well, they a have some of, wine, but... They would, they would get hammered. No, no, no. Hammered. Well, is, I know that getting hammered is not like against the Bible, but I imagine that the Pope has a certain sense of not having excesses because he's the best at not having excesses other than think... the Vatican and... His in his personal royal guard and an entire country to himself. Yes, oh, I think they, actually I'm starting to work this out. And also, he's Pope Franny. Pope Francis is a bit of a dude, supposedly. Didn't he work in a bar or something? Like there's some stories that he like he he worked in like he was a normal kind of guy. This this is the stories. I don't know. So he used a, to ride a motorbike. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Also, they cardinals. They, they were cardinals. They were rich people. They, they quaff a lot of good quality wine, I'm willing to bet. It's also the body of Christ to certain times, or the blood of Christ. I'm willing to bet. Anyway, yeah, yeah, but so you're we, not supposed to drink it by the armful. Well, that's true. <laughs> I'd like well, half a Christ worth, please. Let's put some more of that body of Christ on the barbecue. <laughs> really douse it in gravy. Mm-mm. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about that. So those who don't actually know, so... Easter Sunday is the first Sunday after the first full moon occurring on or after the March equinox. So when the days and nights are equal in length, roughly, in March, you then look for the first full moon after that. You then go to the first Sunday after that, and that's Easter Sunday. Okay, so it could be, it could be like four or five weeks after the equinox. It can move quite a lot, yes. Why it's based on that is because uh, the Christians talk about resurrection of Jesus around about the time of the Jewish Passover, which was celebrated on the first, which is celebrated, I think, on the first full moon following the vernal equinox. So they took the first full moon of the vernal equinox, and then Christians added the first Sunday after the first full moon after the, first, after the vernal equinox. They've added an extra Sunday. 
What's really interesting is if the Sunday falls on the full moon, yeah. then they don't, they go, well, that means it will probably fall on Passover. And back in the day, that was not cool. Christianity didn't really want to hang out with its older brother, Ju- Judaism. So they delay it a week. So it could be delayed even another week. If, if, the, if the Sunday and the full moon fall at the same time, they go, well, that means it could fall on Passover. and We can't have any kind of interrelationship hanky-panky between two religions, so they'll delay it a week. There you go. It's all astronomical. Yeah, it's yeah. All based Chris- on- Christians hate sharing holidays with other religions. <laughs> there you go. That was my, that was, I thought that was interesting, my week in science. Easter, it's a week in science. <laughs> How about yours? I had something drop onto my shoulder the other night while I was watching the telly. Was it the devil? Was uh, it the devil going... Eat more chips or something. It was almost the exact opposite. It was religious as it well. It was an angel. Kind of. It was a praying oh. mantis, oh. which are religious because they pray. Oh, well done. I did, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good connection. But I didn't even realise that we had them in Australia, let alone in my lounge room. <laughs> I mean, if you'd if someone had asked me, I would have said, oh, probably. Every freaky-looking bug in the in the world seems to be in Australia. <laughs> So I'm very glad that one of the very few that isn't incredibly poisonous landed on me, as opposed to any of the others. <laughs> but um, they're they're predatory. Like they'll they mess really are. they'll mess you up if you're another bug. They they like everything. So uh, good for the cockroaches. Eat the cockroaches. Quite lucky at my place, I realise, because I've never had a redback spider here that I've found, or a black widow, or anything anything like that. It's black uh, it's, widows are further further south. Just give people more information about where you live. Black widows are further south than you, much further south. Mm. So you shouldn't get them where you live, mm. much further south. And trapdoor spiders are more rainforesty, aren't they? Yeah, I don't think you have to worry about those where you live either. No, no. So I don't even think I have to worry about them. So, so just huntsmen's out here. And yeah, they're great. Yeah. They're basically like little tiny Labradors. I, I like to think of them as cute eight-legged bears. They're just you know hanging out, doing things. They're fine. Oh, that that but but bears will eat you. Yeah, a huntsman would eat you if it was big enough. What? <laughs> They're carnivores, aren't they? They, you're meat. You're I gotta get meat. some spray. So everyone knows my future husband, Elon Musk. <laughs> this is how <laughs> and... I find out. <laughs> this is basically he is the guy who started Tesla and Tesla electric cars and SpaceX, which is doing amazing things. He's so weird he looking rocks. too. He's, he's a weird, weird looking, looking guy, dude. But... Like, weird I reckon looking. you're in with a shot there. Like, <laughs> Weird-looking dudes of a feather flock together or something? Yeah, I mean, it's not like, he's got, it's not like he's got this big chiseled jaw type thing. Like, he's a, no, no. He's a quirky-looking individual, and I, I reckon that you're not, like, punching above your weight there. Thanks. Yeah. The point is, it's not, it's not a matrimonial uh, message, by the way. Trist? But basically, he started, yes. Basically, he started a company called Neuralink. And the concept of Neuralink is to merge the human brain with AI. Oh, that seems like a stopgap measure. Stopgap measure? What do you mean? Well, uh, we want the uh, artificial... We want the robots to take over and take out all of humanity so that it's just purity. Uh, <laughs> you know, incorporating meat, meat into a robot, that just seems the, like... Is it, is it meat all the way through? No, no, it's got... Yeah, not just a centre of meat. Uh, yeah, look, basically, this is one of the... Elon Musk is one of the people who thinks... And I disagree with him here. He believes that artificial intelligence will rise up one day, terminate a style and kill us all. Oh, I hope so. so. Can't wait. <laughs> Oh, pish. Pish posh. But I, I disagree with him. So one of the things he has to be saying is the idea of merging human intelligence with AI, and that's the way it is. So his company, Neuralink, seems to be 
a a way of a medical company to start off with. So they're going to try and work on things like dealing with a or putting a brain mesh into someone's brain, like a like an artificial mesh to help them deal with Parkinson's. That, but of course, in the end, you can start augmenting your biological functions with artificial functions, which I think is really exciting. So, what are your feelings on that? Do you are you scared of that? Do you not care about that? Are you all for that? What, what, how do you sort of sit? It just seems like we're holding back the the computer that gets attached to the human brain. Like it's not going to take long before those artificial brains start to really kick over. Then you stick a you stick it to a human brain. You're basically just wiring it to a Sound Blaster Pro from the 1980s. <laughs> I can see your point to a degree. It all depends if human intelligence and artificial intelligence are the same, I guess. I'm not too certain that we're going to get a machine that goes, hello, I'm I'm Dan Beeston the machine. I'm like Dan Beeston, but I'm much cleverer. I just... I don't <laughs> My oven already good. does that. Piece of shit. Thinks it's so good. <laughs> the sous vide from hell. So, I don't know. I, there's something I looked into here called Centaur Chess. Have you heard of Centaur Chess before? No. Centaur Chess is... Basically, he superglue a horsey to a queen, and then they can do everything. <laughs> so the, you basically have a human and a machine working together, and it's been around for a, couple, a few decades now. Where because you know the whole deep blue going up against Kasparov, I think it's right, and basically a machine could now beat a, a grandmaster of chess. Ah, uh, yeah. Everyone went, that's it. We're done. That's machines are better than us with chess, and they've had a few rematches. But now, basically, yeah, it's pretty much these machines will play a grandmaster to a standstill most of the time because they can look forward and they can do the calculations and say, well, forty moves ahead, we should be doing X. And chess does follow a set pattern. But what they've shown is a human working with a computer as one team member are better than a better computer or a better human grandmaster as well. Mm. So, so advanced chess or centaur chess shows that the human being or the computer can say, do this, 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 and this, and this, because in 10 moves we'll be here. But the human can say, I understand that, but I don't want to do that. I want to jump this way. And that means the computer, the other, the enemy computer can't actually predict. We're unpredictable. We have a certain level of humanness, which makes us better. So by melding the biological and the mechanical together, you create something better than what existed before. Or the poor computer just has to compensate for this idiot meat sack who's just f***ed the entire game and has to go, but, oh, but- now I'm just going to work twice as hard. And then he, then he starts to really concentrate. <laughs> I see. Okay, I had yeah. to it's like before. it's it's like when you drink a bit before you drive, and you're like, "Oh, well, now I know that I'm drunk, so I'm concentrating extra hard." We are absolutely not advocating this concept. Of we are not advocating that. That no. is not a that is not a, that's not a thing. That's not a thing that we've yeah. ever done, or yeah. we'll say that anyone ever should do. Yeah. It is with pot, though. Definitely with pot. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, we're not ending on that note. We're not ending on that note, Dan. So basically, the idea of central chess, or basically, I really, I'm really excited by this concept of taking the unpredictability and the the way humans think with the predictable and powerful serial way that computers think in inverted commas and joining them together. I'm very excited by that. Now we don't have to worry. It's not as if he's going to Elon Musk is going to break into your house and stick a chip in your head unless he's been reading your wish book. That's right. Yeah. You're a scientist, Greg. I like to think so. The best way to turn lead into gold is nuclear, basically fusion. Don't be ridiculous. That you still subscribe to that horseshit magic think magical thinking? No, of, of, don't be ridiculous. Fusion? Yes. You mean, 
mean what powers the sun? Yeah, that's the oh the sun. Yeah, uh, that's that's a thing. <laughs> What's going on, Dan? I don't hang on. No, there's a better way to get gold, and it's deep, deep in the forest. Sasquatch or Bigfoot, who is who? It's all going down at the crypto zoo. I want to know from you, what do you know about Smurfs? They're blue. Good. They they live in a village somewhere. I don't know if there's lots of them. I think it's just one village. Though, admittedly, in the new movie, which I haven't seen, but I read something about there may be other secret Smurfs or something, like primitive Smurfs, but look, I don't know. I, can, I, I um, have seen the film. Oh, yes. And you are definitely right. But we won't really need to go into that too much today. Okay, good. They seem to take on a role for life. So if you're if you're a handy kind of guy, you become a hand you become handy Smurf. And if you're brainy, if you're clever, you become brainy Smurf. And if you're the girl, you become the girl. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the way it is, which is sad. But there you go. Well, that's what uh, that that's what the film's about, actually. Oh, they sort of picked that and gone. Wait, girl Smurf is she? That's that's all she is is. The girl Smurf, and and she's yeah. like, no, no, she's got to find her. She's got to find herself and go. What am I that I'm more than just a, the girl? Oh, okay, so she actually, well, Smurfette gets like, like she becomes like Warrior Smurf or like something like that. Oh, well, spoilers. She ends up being dishwashing Smurf, but uh, that's that's not what happens. That's not no. what happens. When we know much more, it's much more. Uh, no. it's, it's it's a much better message than that. Okay, good. She's blowjob. No. no. No, t- no, no. So they take they they take on roles. So they all take on individual roles, and they're basically communists, as far as I'm aware. They seem to be communists, as in pure communism, not not as in 20th century Russian communism, but actual working together for the common good, not for individuals. They seem to be some kind of recipe that you can, they're very tasty. You can uh, bake them in a pie or something. I reckon King Smurf might disagree with you on the communism thing. There's a King Smurf. King Smurf, yeah. There's Papa Smurf though. Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, is King there a King Smurf? Yeah, there's King Smurf. He's... Is he higher than Papa Smurf? I don't know. I don't know. There seems to be a... I guess Papa Smurf is more like a a, a Merlin yeah. figure. Yeah, or, or maybe he's like he's an ideological figure. You know, you're right, actually. He's probably like the religious... He's like the Pope. So it's Popa Smurf. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, well, On I... Easter Sunday, Dan, it all makes sense. Yeah. I want I'm to... mind I... blown. But I want to figure out a bit more about these Smurfs because there's some confusion no, about no, we, how they work. Yeah, the whole religion here we've got to get into. I'm kind of confused now. Sorry. I, no, sorry. Firstly, I want, to, I want to deal with, like, what sort of animals that they are because uh, they've got tails. Yeah. They've got little tails. The bucks can grow a beard. They have tails? Yeah, they've got little tails come out of their little white pants, which means they've probably got a spine. So they're probably a vertebrate. I'd say, yeah, they look like the I'll go that far. They're, they're bipedal. They're bilateral symmetry. So they're split down the center and equal on the other side. So whatever they are, it's yeah okay. So they're somewhere. They wear a little hat. They're quite intelligent. That little hat, hat, it's like a Dutch emblem of freedom. So you wear this little hat, and it's like this is a celebration of freedom. Obviously, freedom from fashion trends. Yeah. Now are they? Do they have a pointy head under that hat, or are they just got a round head? Like I don't know. Is is the is the hat the shape of their head? Are they cone heads? The little point. I... Or are, are they are they snorks? You know, snorks have the snork snorkel. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have like a, a weird tendril on top of it? I don't think so. I don't so think it so. It looks to be a hat. Or maybe the hat is like a, a growth. Oh no! Hang on. Would the hat be a mushroom or made to look like a mushroom? So maybe if you're walking through the forest and you go, "What the hell is that thing over there?" It stands still. 
and it looks like a mushroom, you don't think it's a, an animal. It's like a defensive mechanism. Uh, maybe. So Papa Smurf can grow a beard? Or something that's beard-like. Bristly. Yes. Feathers. So he could be mammal. He could be, yeah, he could be some sort of proto-y, feathery thing. Yeah. They live in a, they live in a forest and they do, they, it's somewhere in Europe, isn't it? It's Germany or something like that, isn't it? Or is it not ever defined? Uh, it's sort of a Belgium sort of area. Belgium. So it's cold. So they, they, and they operate at night and they, so they're not going to be a reptile. They're going to have to be, um, they're, they're mammals. Let, let's, let's call them mammals. You'd think they, so, they wouldn't have, you? They're warm-blooded, so they're, I, I think they'd have to be warm-blooded. Otherwise, they wouldn't operate very well. Well, mammals is a good guess, but there's, some, there's conflicting information here. Because they, okay, right. they, they're little tiny things. They live for hundreds of years. There right, aren't a yes. lot of mammals that live for hundreds of years. No, and normally they're the bigger ones, like us. Like yeah. we're, we're one of the bigger mammals, and we live for a long time. Elephants live for a long time. Whales live for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Lemmings, not very long at all. No, no. Marmosets. No. Barely no, the afternoon. And it, I mean, let's face it: the, the tragedy of cats and dogs is that the fact that they you don't die them. soon enough. Hush. So yeah, they they do die very quickly. So yeah, a tiny mammal that has a very has a longevity is, is is uncommon. I don't I don't know enough about small mammals to know if there are any long lived small mammals. Hang on, what about naked mole rats? Do you know how long they live? Because I don't. They don't die from cancer. They seem to have natural cancer resistance, so they're not going to drop dead from tumours and things. I'm going to look that up. I need to look that up. That's an interesting idea. Because yeah, uh, here's another thing. There are a hundred of them. How Holy long? Crap. How long does naked a... Mo- naked mole rats live up to 31 years. Longest that's, living rodent. That's pretty good. That's not bad at all. Yeah. I mean, it's not a hundred years. It's not hundreds of years. But, but it's closer, because it, most time rats are like three years. For 31 years, it's a factor of 10. To me, there's not, it's not as if it would be weird if you then had another factor of 10. Yeah. So it's not that strange. It's not as strange to me 30 seconds ago when I thought that they were a small rodent-like mammal. Well, here's something interesting, is that in the Smurf village, there's like 103 dudes. Yeah. And there's one female, and she was yeah. created by magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they bud, obviously. Where do they come from? Where, where do they find baby Smurfs? Um, they're delivered by Stork. Are they really? Okay. Yes. So maybe that's a nice story. Maybe the babies attach themselves parasitically to a Stork. And when they get too big, they drop off the Stork and they get found. But how do they get on the Stork in the first place? Yeah. Well, maybe, well hang on. Maybe they're not placental mammals. Maybe they're not a naked mole rat because they're placental. Maybe they're marsupials. And so they give birth to a small little jelly bean smurf and it attaches for some reason to the stalk. Like a cuckoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, maybe that's it. Maybe Not an egg, but maybe it's under the egg and then it, it goes, oh, a stalk, and it bites the stalk and it starts draining blood very slowly. And they, they basically get they basically grow on the stalk. And when it gets too big, the stalk, in inverted commas, delivers the baby smurf because it's just too big to fly with this damn smurf on it anymore and the, the smurf drops off and it's found by the other smurfs so it's the stalk is a part of the life cycle of the smurf oh um, i like that so maybe that's it i don't know i also have an idea why they're, why they're blue too by the way oh good all right we'll get to that in a moment okay, um, all right, cool. all right yeah. they don't reach adulthood until they're like a hundred and oh. most of the smurfs in that area like in that story are all about the same age 140 150 years old or so ah Okay. Papa Smurf is much older, so it's like these were all birthed at the same time somehow. A clutch. A clutch, exactly. Yeah. Now, 
The largest litter that a mammal can have is our old friend the naked mole rat. Uh, which okay. is 33. Yeah. And do you know how you work out the maximum amount of mammals in a litter, generally? Something about nipples. Counting the nipples. Nipples plus one or something? Or it's about two that. Or... It's yeah, yeah. count the nipples. Hang on, so naked mole rats have 31 nipples. Oh, pretty much. I mean, it's equal. Oh, it's even. And this might have been a sort of a rarity to have. It, might, it may yeah, be yeah. slightly less than that. But that means that something the size of Smurfette... Yeah. Must have, like, 98 nipples. If she is the female, that is... So you're saying she'll grow up to be the queen, in inverted commas, and she will be the breed, the broodmother, basically? Well, m- maybe maybe a normal one would, because she's, she's magical. So maybe she doesn't oh, count. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the queen is a lot bigger. But the thing well, is, on, Gargamel made her so that they wanted to have sex with her, or at least fall in love with what? her. Right. <laughs> so the idea was that she was, like, this weird little creature that all the other Smurfs would desperately claw at each other to get access to and fall in love with. So she must in some way give the same appearance as a brooding Smurf. Brood Smurf. Brood Smurf. So so maybe, hang on, just jump back a bit. They're saying all had 140 years old. So maybe they're neotenized. Maybe they don't go through, they stay as a young version of themselves until they reach a certain age. So they're not breeding at that point. They're not sexually active. And they, they go through a transformation period where they become fully like adults. They become a, a breeding adult. Maybe they're like mayflies. Maybe they live for 150 years. Oh, no, Papa Smurf would be dead then. And they're saying that maybe they die and then they breed. Sorry, they, 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 they change. They gain a form. Maybe that, that, is, that is all about sex. They, you know, they, they lose their anus. They lose their mouth. They lose their bone as much as they can. And then they die a day later. So, and that's the end of it. Now, maybe Papa Smurf is, maybe one doesn't. Maybe he's like the one that always passes down that, like, only one Smurf doesn't get to have sex. And that Smurf will live on in the neotenized form. Ooh, interesting. So so he never had sex. Like Zoidberg. Like Zoidberg. Zoidberg didn't get to have sex. And everyone else exploded into, yeah. Yes. Like like an octopus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's so basically the one who couldn't get his end away, <laughs> be romantic, is the one that lives and is the one that, that explains because that that actually adds to your idea that he's the pope. Yes, yes, that's right. So he gets to live, <laughs> and so they they keep it. So he becomes the wise Smurf. So he lives a whole other generation. Now I wonder if Papa Smurf could mate in the next great transformation. You know what I mean? Like the next adulthood, or is he done now? Or is he you know is he finished and he'll just be He'll be the and because there may be one next time again. You see, there may be another puppet yeah. So does he get to maybe mate next time or no? Is he like no, no I'm done. He'd have to like walk away. But there's only one village. You see, so well maybe there's not the other village. I'm confused now. Yeah, I wonder whether it's like an ant colony. How like the queen gives birth to all of them and then it, I guess it just gets loaded onto a stalk and the stalk flies away. So like like wings on an uh-huh. ant, they oh, get to go to another colony. So they use the stalk as transportation. And yes. to spread themselves. So you're so basically we are sort of saying so you're tying it back into my original idea of a marsupial with a, a jelly bean smurf kind of thing attaching itself to the a transport system basically. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Now th- there's one problem about them being a mammal, and that's their colour, because they're blue. Now you've got a theory yeah. about that, do you? Yes, I do, I do. As soon as you said blue things, I, I there's a there's a disease called Argyria. Argyria, yeah, A R G Y R A R A A which is when you, if you work with silver too much, silver dust, 
it can get into your bloodstream and into your skin, colloidal silver, sorry, and, uh, and it turns your skin blue. And you can look at pictures of, of Agaria and people can turn very, very, very blue. So maybe there's colloidal silver somewhere in their environment and, uh, and a lot of basically silver around them. And so they're in their um, larval stage, what do you call it, their, their original stage, and, uh, and that makes them blue. Oh, so they're white initially, maybe, just like yeah, the it, naked roll rat. Man, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's ah, uh, oh, like what you're thinking. Yeah, there you go. So maybe, and maybe they survive better because they've come above ground, unlike their placental versions of themselves, a the naked mole rat. So they need to have some sort of coloring, otherwise they 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 would die more often than not. Yeah. So it's like an, an adaptation to bring colloidal silver into their skin to give them some level of control of the amount of light entering them. Hmm. Pretty good theory. Pretty good theory. Unfortunately, Ageria will render you a dusky blue rather than a bright blue. So you're never going to get that really intense, vivid blue. It's more of a sort of a silvery sheeny, like a fish type of yeah, blue. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, okay. But maybe that's... I've never seen a real picture of a live Smurf. I've only seen artistic impressions. So maybe no, that's they it. are... That's it. That's what we're working off. So, but, so maybe they're not that blue. Well, that's yeah. not very helpful to say. That no, no. The only thing that we've got, the only information we have is wrong. That's not yeah. really the, the how this game okay, works. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Okay, so we've got a deep, a deep blue animal. Okay, yeah, right. maybe they didn't wear pants and hats and they dug around underground. Great. Segment over, Greg. <laughs> they are naked mole rats. The end. So <laughs> um, also a naked mole rat next to a mushroom. And just put two and two together and got seven. Moving mm. on. Now, plants uh, can okay, be blue. Plants ant have uh, anthocyanins. Oh. But animals now cannot I'm... make blue pigment. Now I'm, th- now I'm just thinking of very sad ants. Are you okay? I'm feeling a bit blue. Oh. Plants, not blue. ants. Oh, I see said ants. Okay. Plants. Plants can be blue. Okay. So you can, have, you can have blue flowers. Yes. Easy peasy. They, they've got that sorted. You can have a blue man group. I'm pretty sure that that's paint. And... What? <laughs> You can have blue blood. Yes, um, copper-based in octopus and that sort of Yep, octopuses and or octopi and... No, 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 we had this conversation. Octo- we did this in the podcast years ago. <laughs> no, 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 that was... It's octopuses. I thought that was platypi. No, no, it was octopuses. It's octopodes? Not it's not octopodes. Octopodes is technically, was originally right, but it's not how it's used anymore. Octopuses. Yeah. Go back, man. Go back to it. It's octopuses. Okay. Definitely octopuses. We had a huge argument. Not an argument. We had a big talk about this. Yeah, we told the audience what was right, and then we forgot it all. Yeah, There's a lot that. of episodes of this podcast. That, really, that was like five years ago, so that's fair enough. It's just, it's just the one that stuck right here for some reason. Mm. Anyway. Horseshoe crabs. Horseshoe yes. crabs have like vivid yes, blue okay. blood. It's amazing. It's hemocyanin rather than hemoglobin. Okay. And it's Cyan so, is blue. Yep. And it's, so it's a, it's a vivid blue, the same blue that you'd expect on a Smurf. And you can have blue veins under your skin. Like if you've got pale skin, you can look at yeah, your, the blue on your that's, arm. That's an optical illusion. That's it is. Blue. That's not, yeah, it's a lack of blood, a lack of oxygen. Lack of blood. blood. Yeah, well, they go blue then. <laughs> yeah, all Smurfs are dead. That's so, blue. yeah, because when it's oxygenated, it's bright red. But then yes. as it uh, deoxygenates, it gets darker and darker and darker. But it's still dark red. But because it's deep under the skin, there's a thing called the transport effect. And it's it's blocking a lot of the colours and just letting through a sort of a bluey tint. It, it's, it basically looks a little tiny bit bluey green. But mostly yep. because everything around it is kind of a pink. Oh, okay. And so if you look at grey, but it's surrounded by red, then the grey looks a little bit blue. Because eyes are stupid. Yeah. Oh, it's just dreadful. But Smurfs, they're they're like all blue. 
They are all blue. Yeah. Yeah. So could it be something in their environment? Is it? Is it, do they eat something that stains their skin or something like that? Well, so it's not a natural coloring. It's something that they have to add to themselves. Maybe there are blue animals. There are fish. You've got blue fish, blue birds, yeah, blue lizards. Like there is a grand caiman blue iguana, which is blue. Yeah, blue tongue lizards have a blue tongue. Yep. I've heard. What? Well, what's the similarity there? They're all lizards. Keratin. They, yeah, yeah. They got scales and feathers. And oh. feathers are just derivatives of scales. They're yes. like special scales. And so yeah. they grow in a particular way that allows them to create color interference. Yes. So they've got these sort of patterns in them. And so they trap certain bits of light and bounce other bits of light out. So it's not a pigment, yeah, yeah. it's iridescence. But we've seen Smurfs up close and we've never seen any kind of indication of feathers or scales. Ah, true, true. But what about snorks? Snorks? Snorks. Snorks, what are they called? Yes, snorks. You see scales on them? I think you do. I'm going to check this up picture. I I, I, I know Smurfs better than I know snorks and I don't know Smurfs that well. (laughs) No, you don't. Okay, checking pictures, there's not, no, they're just one colour. They're, they're, they're multiple colours. They're yep. a pain in the ass. Butterflies? Um, you don't see scales on butterflies. They must be too small, but they're still little scales. Oh, I see. So you're saying that... And it would make sense because it, it can... So it, yeah, okay, right. So they're so, so small, these these structures on them, we can't see them. And yeah. Or microscopically. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Now, I can give you that. Mammalian you hair only has two kinds of pigment. Um, one that produces a blacky brown and one that produces a yellow or red sort of orange hair. Uh, So mixing those two pigments is never going to yield a bright blue or green. It's all controlled with melanin. What kind of hair do Smurfs have? They have white hair. Well, only one has white hair. Yeah. So, and Smurfette was magic. So, and and she had black hair initially and then Papa Smurf did some more magic or some sort of plastic surgery or some shit on her. Just dyed it, just bleach. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And and it's okay for Papa Smurf to have white hair-like structures because, like, polar bears are white, not because they're dyed white, because they have transparent tubes for hair, and that's not full of colour. In fact, it's exactly opposite. And so it's the the way the light interacts with the hair makes it look white. Ooh, that's a good one. So it's not... So his hair isn't actually white. It's just interacting with the light to look white. Some hair. The hair-like structure that he has. If he's... he's Oh, we are saying he's he's a mammal, aren't we? So it could be... Well, we're trying to work out if there's a way to justify him being a man, ma- mammal because it's yeah, hard when it's blue. Um, there is a mammal. gene called uh, that creates a methemoglobinemia, and it's a recessive gene in humans. So it makes your skin look blue and your lips look purple and your blood looks sort of chocolate-coloured, and it means that you're not transporting much oxygen in the blood. So it's the same okay. thing with uh, veins, but it's all over. It yeah. tends only to happen in, like, Kentucky. Right. Because it's a recessive gene, and all that that implies. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, right. so... Uh, well, that's okay, because you're talking about a group of individuals who seem to interbreed quite a lot. With these people, they have blue faces. Again, that sort of dusky blue, so it's not like a vivid blue. But what you can do is you can inject them with a chemical called methylene blue, and this is the missing enzyme to oxygenate the blood. And within, like, seconds, those blue people will return to, like, a normal pink colour. Oh, okay. But what we want is a mammal which is bright blue. There are a couple of blue mammals. There is a, there's a green mammal, which is a sloth, but the green is a very subtle green. And it's a fungus, isn't it? It's, it's algae. Algae, algae yeah, in its yeah. fur. 
Yeah, I'll get into that. Okay, yeah. right. So uh, dolphins? Dolphins are sort of a grey-blue colour. grey, yeah. They wouldn't say they're blue. How about whales? About the same. Blacks, whites, greys. There's a special whale called a blue whale. It's, it's actually, massive. But it's not blue, though, is it? Not really. A little bit blue. <laughs> it's kind of a bit blue. I know, I know what you were leading. Sorry, I, should, I didn't mean to. I, I didn't walk into a trap. But I, um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I knew there was a blue blue whale, but I didn't think it was blue. I just thought it was – because, once again, it's compared to the sea around it, and therefore you go, that looks really blue, but it's not. It's just a big grey animal. Yeah. Stupid bloody blue whale. But there is one other animal which is very, very interesting. It is a primate. It is called a mandrel. Okay, you know them monkeys with the – like the, some, some of them have, like, really red bums and stuff? Oh, yes, yes. Well, there's – well, the like mandrel the is – yeah, those are the baboons – and they're yeah. terrifying enough. The mandrels are the ones with yeah. the real pointy teeth. They got big red noses, big red genitals, and big blue faces. Right. Bright blue faces and blue on their asses too. Okay. Okay, so what's happening is it's not a pigment and it's not scales. Yeah. What it is, it's a blue coloration caused due to the scattering of light by the array of collagen fibres. So collagen oh. is a type of protein under the huh. skin. And so the light absorbs all the other colours and reflects this brilliant blue colour. Okay. So theoretically, these little Smurfs could be mammals and be bright blue if they had yes. the same thing, if they were covered in this collagen array. All over their bodies. That would make them bright blue. Fit. Oh, okay, that's good. Yes, I like that. That seems to make sense. And it sort of fits into that they're mammals and that they're... Yeah, okay, that's good. Excellent. So that's solved that problem. But I'm still not 100% sure... I think there's one other option that we haven't considered. Okay. Do you know what reproduces asexually? Doesn't need uh, women. Plants. Do you know what can be bright blue? Found in the forest? Something mushrooms. that's closer to being an animal than a plant? Mushrooms, mushrooms, mushrooms. Fungus. I propose that Smurfs are a sentient fungus. But that doesn't explain how Gargamel can use them to turn things into gold. Yeah, 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 I guess. Yes. Oh, but mushrooms. it explains maybe why he's he... not. If they're a fungus, maybe he just wants to get doped out of his mind and thinks it's gold. Ooh. So he's so maybe, so... He's, maybe he's just a junkie. So put some put some of these lovely uh, moving sentient mushrooms into a stew. Take it back and just lie back and la 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 la. Man, the roof's gone gold. My hands are gold. Man, everything's gold. Ah, it's gold. <laughs> Eaten alive. Well, speaking of being eaten alive, Dan. <laughs> yes. Right now, where you are, if you are on planet Earth, if that is truly where you are, yes. there are, <sighs> on average, 131 spiders per square meter. Bullshit. That's the, that's the number of spiders on Earth. No, that's bullshit. That's 131 bullshit. 131 spiders per square meter. So, from the research that's come out about this, some habitats, like deserts and tundra, are home to fewer spiders. On the other hand, spider densities of 1,000 or more individuals per square meter have been observed under certain favorable conditions. Spiders can be very small, of course. We're not talking about giant huntsmen. One, right now, there is a good chance, statistically very likely, that there is a spider close enough for you to touch if you knew where to touch it. Last time someone told me that... I looked down and there was one making a web on my microphone <laughs> when we interviewed oh, Dr. Rob Raven. Dr. Rob Raven, that's right. 
<laughs> yeah, that was like, that. We definitely knew then there was about 131 per square meter because they're all in his office. He kept That's shaking them. At, he sh- kept picking up the boxes and shaking them in our faces, to, just to annoy them, to make them really angry. And he kept saying, "Ah, oh, your interview is as." Uh, has stopped me feeding them. They're probably getting really annoyed the fact that we haven't fed them because they can hear the crickets. That was... (laughs) That is a man who desperately needs granddaughters. (laughs) That's a great interview to go and look up Dr. Rob Raven. But anyway, 131 on Earth per square meter. Washington Post, basically, the Journal of the Science of Nature, looking about how many spiders there were and what they eat. They're basically meat eaters, most of them, and how many there were on the planet. And it's been worked out that there are about 29 million tons of spiders on planet Earth. 29 million tons. That's 29 billion kilograms. 29 million tons. There are 29 billion kilograms of spiders on planet Earth. Ah, no. A lot of spiders. A kilo is a lot of spiders. That's right. (laughs) Especially if you have to... Bring them home from a shop, and the bag breaks, and suddenly the spiders everywhere. And oh, because they're normally not like it's not as if a, a spider is like a kilogram of animal. Like it's a, it's a small, so there's going to be lots of them. There's there's lots and lots of spiders around. That's why there's 131 per square meter on planet Earth. So this makes sense. We need to know how much they eat. Then if there are 29 billion tons, I don't need to know that. I'll sleep well at night not knowing this answer. Well. Well, then your, then your Easter night of sleep will be ruined by science. Oh, no. Is it 29 billion kilograms of spiders consume between 400 million and 800 million tons of prey in a given year? That seems like a lot of flies. And, that's, and animals and all sorts of crazy things that they eat. Yes. Now... What? Lizards, birds. Lizards and birds and, and anything they can get their little fangs on. Snakes, they can do all sorts of crazy things. So it's then worked out that if you took 7 billion humans and combined them all into a meatball, so basically mm. that would... Oh, a soylent ball. That's right. What that means is if you took the total biomass of all adult humans on Earth, yep. that's estimated to be about 287 million tonnes. That's, of, that's not enough. That's not enough. We, we need more humans. So even if you, even if you took, as I said, if you took, um, that's adult humans, if you added on children, so if you took the seven, that's about 70 to 100 million tons. I, thought we, extra, well, I would have thought we'd give the children first. Well, that's obviously, <laughs> that goes without saying. That's why we're breeding baby humans, isn't it? So we can throw them at the spiders and run away. Mm-hmm. If you're a parent, can you write in and tell us whether you had child so you could throw them at the oncoming arachnid hordes? Uh, I look forward to reading Dan's emails that you sent to Dan at Dan at Smartenoff.org. Huh. <laughs> so basically, what I'm trying to cut down to, I think you already got there ahead of me. They, in one year, if spiders put their mind to it, this article points out they could very easily devour every adult human and every child on Earth within a year. That is easily. not going to be a pleasant year. That will be a very, very bad year for humans. I am going to relocate to a desert. Well, that's and they'll be. That means they'll just take a longer to eat you. But they're going to find you in the end. They're going to find you. They're going to find you, and they're going to eat you at some point. Bird refuge. Are... Maybe we could find oh, a bird refuge and live in there. A bird Why park, because the... birds eat spiders. Oh, I see. So we, we, you're trying to now ally up with other animals, so we'll eat them before they yes. eat us. Yes. Oh, I see. No, it makes sense. Like that would that would probably slow them down a bit. That's a very good point. Now here's where the article ends. Basically, the article end goes with ends with. 
sleep well, they could eat us all. If they put their minds to it, these spiders could eat every single one of us. But that's not where I wanted to leave it, because I thought, that's just rubbish. How do we align ourselves with the spiders? Well, <laughs> I, no, 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 no. I did thinking, though, that's a, wow, that's a whole different episode. I think we'll have to come back to that one. I thought to myself, humans are very good at not losing. We don't like to lose. We've done very well for billions of years, or at least for thousands, if not millions of years, we've done very well in being the top dog or the, the top spider, maybe. The Library of Alexander, we lost that. Yeah, yeah, we didn't eat it. Yeah. We just burned it in the ground. The Saharan rainforest, we lost that one. That wasn't that wasn't our fault. That just happened due to, that was just something that changed. Great Barrier Reef? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. okay. But, but like, we we're are, terrible. Uh, we're losing everything. But we're still here, and there's 7 billion of us, and it's going to increase. So we're doing something right. I mean, there's, there's a lot more humans than there's ever been, ever been before. So I thought, <laughs> and humans don't take this crap lying down. The moment we realized the spiders were mobilizing, I wanted to work out whether or not it was possible for humans to devour all the spiders. I've already had six since you told me that they were a threat. <laughs> then you're doing your part, Dan. I salute you. We should give you a knight's spatula for that one, I must admit. So, Actually, can uh, you just get me an EpiPen? Because uh, <laughs> it's bitten me on the tongue and it's really starting to swell up. You should swallow faster. Now, we have to work out how much meat the average human on planet Earth consumes. I'm... That's very important. <laughs> I know that off the top of my head. I mean, ah, <laughs> uh, what have you discovered? Really? You know this off the top of your head, really? No, no. Why, oh, why would I have such a strange, I just, I just, I eclectic really piece of information? See, it all, it, all, it all depends where you are, you see. So if you're an Australian, Australians eat... 108 kilograms of meat a year for every adult Australian, which is insane. Like mm. that's a lot of that's a lot of meat. If you are in Bhutan, you only eat three kilograms of meat per year, and everything in between. So Denmark is 145 kilograms. That's nuts. Oh, so, so much we meat. eat more meat than anyone else. Not no 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 no. We're, we're up there, but okay. we're not the biggest. We're we're over 100, but there I said 145 in Denmark. Uh, that's the biggest I've found so far. So yay for Denmark. Luxembourg is 141 kilograms of meat. Uh, but a lot of people do a lot less. So you know, it all depends. So um, Sri Lanka only does 6.6 kilograms of meat. And I'm going to say whether these are vegetarian countries or not. And whether or not you can get meat to them. Like the Virgin Islands, only 6 kilograms of meat. So we have to have an average. We have to have a world average. Mm. So if you add them all up and divide it by the number of countries, you get dun, 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 the world average of meat consumption per person per year is 41.9 kilograms of meat per year. Okay. How much chitin is in that? I, I see what you're saying. I'm going to assume that the we're just talking about the whole animal so we're just going to say that the whole animal is going to be considered meat. Like all good physics problems, imagine the cow is a sphere of one meter across. <laughs> so imagine, it's never true, but as a physics teacher, it happens a lot. So imagine a, a, a spider is a juicy meat all the way through. That's, so that's making is, it easier to, get, to uh, swallow number seven. That's right. And we've talked to entomologists. Interf- as in the eating insects. Now, it's not an insect, it's an arachnid, but, you know, we, we, yeah. remember we talked to the lady who eats, eats bugs? Oh, uh, yeah. So we're already ahead of the game on this one. So anyway, so we have to know, can we eat 29 billion kilograms of spiders in a year? Can all of the, If all human beings went, the spiders are coming to eat us, we get to eat them first. Can we eat them first? Do you think this is possible, Dan? Yeah. You are absolutely right. Yeah. It would only mean that every human would have to eat 4.1 kilograms of spiders per year. 
There's so many of us. Oh, I'll be, I'll be, I'll, I'll be hungry after that. And that's well, and, and that's exactly right. Move and that, on to the scorpions. I can't help out. So you, you're going to have to eat eight point two. Sorry, Dan. Yeah, that's so fine. That, you, know, you have to pick up the slack. So if every human being, if you now, gentle listener, went out and ate four point one kilograms of spiders, that's only ten percent of your yearly meat intake. So you're fine. So every time you have a nice kilogram of steak, it's a lot of steak. Every time you have a hundred grams of steak, have ten grams of spiders with it. Just, Just sprinkle like, it across. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's a garnish. It's an eight-legged freakish garnish. No, it'd be it'd be like eating at McDonald's. Just ten percent of bugs across the top. <laughs> it's so nice and cool. Finally. We've it entered, is. We've entered that couple of months in subtropical Queensland where well, you've it's entered, not... You've entered a... Yeah. You haven't. You're on the other I side haven't. of the country, but about the it's same gorgeous. latitude. You're a bit... It's go- no, no, we're, well, I'm lower than you. I'm like Sydney, around Sydney, a bit lower. So even cooler. Yes. So stop complaining. No, I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, everyone go, you're just talking as if trop- subtropical Queensland was the centre of the bloody universe. Well, I'm talking like we're both in the same room and you're ruining the illusion. They all know. Everyone knows. I've never met you. I don't even know who you are. You just Skyped me one day and we started talking. What the hell's going on? God, I wish that was true sometimes. All right. So (laughs) it is quite a pleasant environment and I'm not sweating too heavily. But when it is hot, I can sweat quite a bit. In fact, as an adult male, if I'm really active, I could theoretically sweat over three litres an hour. Now you're just boasting. Look how much I sweat. I can sweat three litres. Look at the size of my sweat excretions. It's a nutty amount. You you can sweat 14 litres a day. I can't can't even drink 14 litres a day. (laughs) I mean, if it's beer, then yes. But (laughs) not to say, Dan, you're you're well known for putting away certain libations. Yeah, but not not water. (laughs) But why do we sweat? cooling effects you have water on your skin the wind wicks away the the heat it evaporates and you get a cooling effect because of it that is exactly right we have a cooling effect from the sweat because we're amazing mammals not all mammals because dogs pant because they have they don't have sweat glands i don't think those sweat glands were as many as uh, under their fur as we do because the wind wouldn't get to it i guess we have to be have to be a freakish bald ape like us yeah yeah. well we use sweating to cool ourselves down Uh, so do primates other primates and horses oh okay oh yeah your horses sweat yes they do yes now we have armpits and those get really sweaty and stinky yep but we don't tend to get sweaty and stinky around the rest of our body i've always heard that that's because that's like a pheromone-producing area, and we're trying to send a sexy signal. That we're is like, correct. Hey, ladies, come, or gentlemen, whatever you find exciting, come on over and sniff my armpit. I'll let you get close. Yeah, well, we have two types of sweat glands. The first one is called the apocrine sweat glands, and Indeed. they're the ones that are in our armpits and that make us all stinky and pheromony. I like to think sexy, sexy and pheromony. In horses... They have the same sweat glands, but they use them to regulate heat. Oh, so that's why, is that why I'm not sexually attracted to horses? You aren't? Uh, sweating is found in a variety of mammals, though. Uh, but dogs, you're right, dogs regulate their heat by panting. Kangaroos have another mechanism. Hopping really fast in a breeze. That's, that's how it is, yes. Yeah, so they, they don't heat up by moving. They just stick their head into the air. They lick their forearms and let it evaporate. 
Oh, I've seen that. Yes, of course. Yes. Elephants run blood through their great big thin ears and the heat radiates from there. Cats do this as well with their big ears. They also lick themselves. They spread their bodies out on cooler areas and they don't move. I.e. they're cats. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They spread out over a wide area and don't move, cats. They're really efficient at reducing their body temperature and tolerating heat. They're descended from desert-dwelling species. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this before in the podcast as well. Cats have a higher thermo... Uh, what's it called? Basically, they're comfortable with higher levels than us. Yeah. So we, we like it at 23 degrees or so, roughly in that area, and cats like it up to like 32 degrees. So they actually, so people are going to go, oh, no, poor kitty, it's too hot. You know, that cat is probably going, this is amazing. I mean, you don't want to go to 40 degrees, mm. it gets too high. It's so they, tepid and nice. Yeah, and, and they don't like it when we turn down to humans. They find living with humans quite upsetting because we're awful. No, uh, because it's very, very cold to them. But they, They're trying to work out why we don't want to keep everything nice and warm all the time because we're stupid apes. Yeah. Well, it's not a so they, desert, is it, kitty? Not and they desert. bask in the sun because of it. They, they, that's why they bask. Yeah, why are you basking in the sun? It's 25 degrees because it's going, it's still cold. I'm still cold. It's not Saharan enough. Oh, that's right. They're a desert animal. Are they Saharan? They're not from the Sahara. Cats, uh, domestic moggies are Asian, I think. Am I wrong there? Ooh, anyway. Well, they were in Egypt. Big in no, Egypt. that's later on. I'm not saying they didn't go there, oh, okay. but I don't think they evolved there. I think that they're an Asian ancestor that moved later on. I don't know. That could be a walk of shame. Yeah. Walk of shame, me cat experts. Yeah, that'd be a good one to learn about. These uh, apocrine sweat glands in us, they're very closely related to our sympathetic system. So if we're angry or fearful or anxious, we can get like sweaty palms. Sweaty that's and... how Daredevil knows if you're lying because you sweat. Ah, and also your armpits, so sweaty palms and... and... Soles of your feet. It, basically, if Matt Murdock, a.k.a. the Daredevil, ever comes in the room and thinks you're lying, what he'll do is he'll rub his face into your armpit, and if you're nervous about this, he knows you're lying, and he'll beat you up and throw you out a window. What, what, what's his reaction if you're not nervous about a full-grown man rubbing his nose in your armpit? Well, you're totally innocent. You have nothing to worry about. So You wouldn't worry about a fully-grown man, very strong, powerful man with no with the mask on, rubbing himself against you. It's fine. Yeah, I think Maybe I've still got something to worry man. about. <clears throat> So the armpit is very sweaty and stinky, and as you said, considered a delivery mechanism for pheromones. There is so much conflicting information about human pheromones. Yeah. The I think most scientists are like, well, we've got this like amazing brain, which is really good at sort of working through the and overcoming some of the base sensations, and and our noses are not, our sense of smell is not great. So there is so many interesting studies about subconscious changes to people's behaviour, but I would take all of that with a grain or possibly a mammal-produced solution of salt. (laughs) Earwax and milk are both created with modified sweat glands. Oh, God. Humans are gross. Humans are not the only gross thing. Some animals produce an odourless, oily, milky secretion that evolved not to evaporate and cool, but rather to coat and stick to hair so odour-causing bacteria can grow on it. So they can smell more. And <laughs> Some birds, am I right there, have produced a milk patch. So they haven't got nipples, but they actually produce milk on their skin. So And their, their young can... Am I right there? Oh, it feels oh, like a walk of shame. I think, that, uh, I, I think it was a bug. I think, I think there's a bug that does that, maybe. Okay. I, I have a feeling... I, 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 yeah, that sounds like a walk of shame. Let's work that one out. Anyway, listeners, what's the animal that produces milk on its skin that you wouldn't think produces milk? It's not a mammal. I know that. So, yeah. Anyway, mm. anyway, there you go. Skunks. Skunks use... They're mammals. 
skunks use their, this, oh, right. <laughs> this gland to make their horrendous scent and to spit oh, it. Yes. So that's all the apocrine sweat glands. We also have the eccrine sweat glands. And so what that's. About, this might sound stupid, but a spider's spinneret, is that a sweat gland? They're no, a bug. Awesome. They're not a mammal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a totally. What am I thinking? Sorry. Totally, totally different, different thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's thinking. But, but we can genetically modify goats to produce a milk that can make a spider silk. We talked about spider goat on the podcast before. So is it possible that we could turn our sweat glands into spinnerets? This is how supervillains start. <laughs> the eccrine sweat glands are the ones that we got all over our body, and they're the ones that cool us down. So it's mostly water with trace amounts of minerals, lactic acid, and urea. You know what else is, has urea in it? We. We. It's like our bodies are just coating us in with a very thin film of pee. <laughs> now, is that because, I mean, A, it's a byproduct. We want to get rid of it. But you said it, lactic acid. Would that kill off bacteria on the surface? And maybe it's actually a defense mechanism as well. Nice. Well, you ba- bang on. Oh. <laughs> Hammer on the head. Hammer, na- nail in the Nail right in the bum hole. Um, right, welcome to welcome to Easter, obviously. Yeah, it's an Easter miracle. <laughs> it's an Easter miracle. <laughs> yeah, it's it's oh, it's okay. called our mantle. It creates a mantle around us, Ooh. so we're, we're like slightly acidic and just nasty for bacteria and stuff that gets in our skin and just gets wiped the fuck out. And basically, if any spider starts to eat us, it'll have a really bad time. Ah, fuck you, spider. <laughs> yeah, we- We've got defensive mechanisms. Yeah, take that. Uh, the amount of minerals that you shed changes depending on what sort of environment you're in. So if you're in a cold and dry climate, you won't sweat much, but you'll sweat out minerals and stuff even less. Yeah. Whereas if you're in a hot, sticky environment, you'll sweat out more and different combinations of these minerals. Oh, I've always wondered that because I know sometimes some pets like to lick you and they seem to really enjoy what they find on you. It's not just them going... Oh, we're cleaning you. I don't think it's don't think it's that. They seem to go. Oh wow, there's something really tasty on your arm here, and they're going like like they're licking up your forearm. Mm. And I always wondered if that was a. It's just trying to make me cleaner because I'm a horrible, filthy monkey, or is it because it's enjoying the taste of what it's finding? Probably a bit of both because there's salts in there. Yes, yeah. And animals love salts. Yeah, salts are great. Yeah. We're in, we're, humans love salt as well. Uh, dogs also have these glands, oh, but, but only on their paws. Huh. Most animals use this sweat to get sweaty palms and soles of feet to help with traction. Okay. So it helps them just stick a little bit better and grab a little bit better. <laughs> like, you don't want to be too sweaty. You don't want to slide right off. Yeah. But if it's Unless a little bit sweaty. Thing, like the great sliding goat or something like that. Yes. Yes. So true. humans are the only weird things that seem to use these glands for cooling. So gorillas don't have them or anything like that. Gorillas do sweat all over. Actually, I'm a bit confused about this one. I think maybe gorillas and chimps also sweat using this gland okay. to cool themselves I was, I was trying to work out so which came first, the sweat glands or the lack of hair. Like which which hit first? Did we have hair and sweat glands underneath it and we lost it because it was more useful? Because no one knows why we're hairless. Maybe it's like, oh, wait, the less hair we have, the more we can cool down, the more we can survive in an arid environment as the environment changed from the rainforest and brachiating and, you know, hanging around in trees to being a grassland primate, which is what we are. Hmm. I, don't, I don't think there's an answer. I don't think anyone knows. If there is an answer, ladies and gentlemen, if you know the answer, get in contact. But I don't – I've never heard of it, and I'm not too sure if anyone can answer it yet. Hmm. But until that, yes, yeah, sweat, it's not just for cooling down. It's like this – multifunctional tool that mammals use for just all sorts of stuff. And we use it for hunting too. 
What? It's one of the theories, but it seems to be why we are built the way we're built. So why we've evolved the way we are. So humans, we talked about this before in the podcast as well. We're a jogging ape. We jog very easily. We're not the fastest. We don't walk particularly well. But once we lean forwards and start the jog, we're efficient joggers. We have big, big, proud bums. We like big butts and we cannot lie. And that's because we stand upright and we can jog. But what's It's weird that we've also got really big penises because... The last Do thing we? you want while you're running is a penium compared to any of the other simians. Other simians, right. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, I, I'm not too sure. I cannot picture in my head what a gorilla penis looks like. Because yeah, mine, <laughs> just keeps, mine just keeps hitting me in the chest. Okay, thank you, Dan. That's, okay. All right. But the point of that, my brain went, is he making it? He's making a joke, right? Got it now. So I should have realized. Like, I mean, they, like they are all... Sun- they're, they're big primate genitals. So we do have we do have a large penises compared to other apes. Oh yeah, not... gorillas got tiny little things. Really? Just go down okay. and laugh at them all. I am going to spend my afternoon on on Easter looking at ape penises on the internet until the police take me away. Basically, that's going to be fun. All that's right. what I but did all we... Good Friday. <laughs> that was a great Friday. So you jog, and because we can jog, we can find an animal any animal, and we can go blah, 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 and it goes, and it takes off. And we're talking about in Africa, by the way. So, <laughs> not Transylvania? Blah, yeah, not blah, Trans- blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Look, my, my, my Savannah accent's terrible, I admit. And the animal three, takes off. Three gazelles. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> they only hunt at night. This is actually a daytime thing. And so you chase the animal down to whatever the animal you're chasing down. And of course, it, like a gazelle, it takes off like a bat out of hell. It leaves. And you can't chase it down, but you jog and you don't stop jogging. You track it. And you jog and you jog and you jog. And you find where it's hiding under a tree. And it's like, oh, 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 I got away from the, oh, God, here they come again. And you go, blah, blah. And it goes, ah, and it runs off again. And it can't cool down. You can regulate your cooling whilst on the move because you're sweating and cooling down. The animal has to actually get into a colder environment or a cooler environment to cool down and stop. Or and get a bigger tongue. Yes, yeah, a very big tongue. But you chase them down, and you might chase them down for five or six hours. And in the end, the poor animal can't move anymore. So you walk up to this gazelle that's like, I'm, I'm done. I am. I'm, just stab me in the neck. And then you stab it in the neck. And that's the end of it. And it's, it's one of the, the big hunting things that first humans did. And what's interesting is still do today. This is still done in places in Africa, which is kind of cool. So there you go. Sweating is one of the big, amazing things humans could do. I'm going to sweat all over everything. Pimp my time. Welcome to Pimp My Time, where I fed Greg into the time machine. He's got an hour to research on the internet where he's going and what date he's going in the hopes that he can pimp his time and become a make-out bandit. I mean, not a make-out bandit. I mean, unless that's what you want. Hey, look, I'm open to that concept. Just chasing down stagecoasters and like, uh, hello, Lady Bouvier. Your money or your life. A kiss on the lips. Busty women tearing open their bodices. You've read my notes, obviously. It's the Scarlet War. That's not so the where only are you thing. Sending me? Oh, uh, Naples, 1858. Eight, Naples, 1858. So I had one hour. I step into the machine, the buzz, buzz, ping, the doors lock, and I have one hour with internet access, and I can take nothing with me. Of course, the rules are I can understand the language when I get there, and people don't just murder me straight off the bat 
because I'm not the right color or whatever. That's the rules we've set up for this little game of ours, just so people... And they haven't worked out that you're trying to have sex with all of their bodice-laden women. (laughs) Later on. So just because I had a few emails we were writing going, you'd be murdered straight away. Yes, yes. Also, time machines don't exist. (laughs) Yeah, we put those listeners in their place. No, no. (laughs) The whole thing's a fucking ridiculous farce from the get-go. Anyway... Naples, 1858. So I am in what will become Italy, but it's not Italy at that point. It's the two Sicilies. So it's a large two joined kingdoms. Naples and Sicily have joined together in the past about 40, 50 years earlier on. A double Sicily sounds like a delicious pizza. It's a a double Sicily. And I am in Naples. I'm like, oh, Naples, that's amazing. What a lovely place to be sent. It's on the Mediterranean. It's going to be full of culture. Uh, No, Dan has sent me to an awful, terrible place. Oops. (laughs) Naples at this point is tearing itself apart. So the, the people aren't very happy. There's like a, a very aristocratic kind of, kind of like with the French Revolution. There's just people going, hey, you rich bastards, stop being rich bastards. And the rich bastards are like, stick it up your ass. And so there's a big fight between rich people and poor people. And it's been going on for some time. And that's where I step into the environment. Hooray, hooray. But I know a few things, a few impressive things which one of the impressive things is in one year's time in 1859, Ferdinand II, the king of the two Sicilies, is going to get stabbed by a bayonet and then die from poisoning or die from infection. So there's going to be a new king very soon, Francis II. He got knife poisoning. Too many knives in his system. Well, he got got hit with a bayonet, not very badly, but then he died later on and they think it was an infection. So Mm. it wasn't like he was bayoneted. Oh, infections are terrible. If only we could find some way to stop them strangely enough, is one of the things I've been looking at. So Francis II, so I know who the new king is going to be. I also know he's not going to be around for very much longer. So I'm not aligning myself. My first idea was to tie myself to the king and explain a few things to him. So let me tell you, explain to the listeners what's going to happen. In 1860, two years after I arrive, Garibaldi, with the help from the king of Sardinia, is going to bring the expedition of the thousand over to Sicily. These will be only about a thousand poorly armed volunteers with dated muskets, but they will take over the place, depose the king, and bring it into the unification of what will become Italy in 1861. This is going to happen. Originally, I was like, I'm going to tell Francis II this all is about to go down, and he'll, he'll repel. But the more I looked into it, even though it's a thousand poorly armed men, that wasn't the problem. The problem was the people of the ground weren't happy. The poor people kind of wanted to be invaded. They didn't want to be controlled by the rich. They wanted to have everything handed over to them. Now, it didn't happen that way, but that's what they were fighting for. <laughs> they, they thought, oh, if we get taken over by someone else, they'll give us all the money. They, they didn't. It's, it's like Trump. It's like, oh, he's one of us. He'll yeah. go in here, kick out, he'll drain well, the swamp. He's and not he... one of them, therefore he'll help us. Yeah, so, and, so he, and he, did. he drained the swamp so, and he filled it up with uh, swamp oil beast. and blood. But we don't, we, we're not talking about politics at this point. No, so well, not the politics at this point, politics at that point. At <laughs> that point. But originally I was like, I will try and make friends with Francis II and help him out. But then I realized I'm just delaying the inevitable. It, it's all going to go horribly, horribly wrong. And the whole place is destabilized. Not like, hooray, Italy, 1861, Italy. Everyone is happy from that moment on. No, 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 no. Very destabilized area for a very long period of time because they've lost their heads of government. They don't have enough military to keep everyone calm. So it's all over the place. So that's just so you know, that's where I'm heading to. I have a problem. The problem is, how the hell do I thrive in this crazy environment? Seems impossible. It seems it does. But destabilization means that 
is a lot of options for change. The thing I'm good at in real life is not building things, but teaching. I'm a teacher, and I know a few things about this period of time. The Origin of Species is going to be written in 1859, a year after I... Or it's been written already, but he will publish, Charles Darwin will publish in about a year and a bit. I can get ahead of him. <laughs> so release a pamphlet <laughs> talking about variation, inheritance, and high rates of change. And I, I can talk about natural selection. I know normally we pick one thing, but bear with me. There's a reason for my madness here. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would try and point out that I am a good scientist. Hey, look at this amazing thing, natural selection. Get ahead of the game. I would also, you're talking about people dying from infections and that sort of stuff. Cholera was a big problem at this point. John Snow in Britain was the one working about, about cholera. Now, he'd worked out much earlier than this, but no one believed it back then. So I was going to point out, actually, these are waterborne microbes. We have microscopes, great microscopes, been around for 200 years or so. I can point out these micro- microbes are hurting people. I can be a healer, a clever person, a teacher, a doctor almost, not really a doctor, but, you know, talk about people. I can start getting in with people. I can teach English. I can be basically get in with the educated people and make money that way. Mm-hmm. I can even make some money in about 10 years later or 15 years later, a certain man called Thomas Edison is going to create the light bulb. I can get ahead of him and patent it and make some money that way. I see. So he basically steal his invention. He's all these crazy ideas to come across as he's clever, he's employable by rich people, and I can teach the children. So I can make money. I'm going to survive. Okay, That's so this is sowing, sowing the roots, sowing the oats, sowing, the roots. But, sowing but it's, something. It's not, I don't want to tie myself with, to the nobility. That's dangerous because in two years' time, I'll probably get my head cut off, stabbed in the guts of the bayonet. Got to get your hands head. dirty. Got to get my hands dirty. And so I will. I will start using that money to start talking to the militias of the area because these places, they didn't have enough actual control. So people formed groups of control to look after each other. So you basically, you have five or six people, 10 people or so, and you become your own constabulary. So I give money to the poor and I start telling them to build up. Things are happening, guys. Trust me, I'm that guy who knows all this cool stuff and I'm going to teach your kids how to read. I'm going to educate some people. I'm going to get amongst the people and give them money. Oh, tell so them you're going to lie to them? Like say a bunch of big things and then um and, and, no, and no, not at like, all. like no, Elon Musk. Like just a whole bunch of these big pie in the sky things going, Ah, oh, isn't the future gonna be amazing, guys? No, no, no. <laughs> not at all. A, a that's not how it works. And B, screw you, man. <laughs> so no, I'm actually gonna help the people become better educated and I'm gonna use my wealth to help them get weapons and help them get organized. So I'm gonna start organizing gonna help the people. poor. Help the well, poor. My... This is very different to the tack that I usually take. No, 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 no. Trust me. Trust me. Basically, mm-hmm. so Same basically with you. I, become, right. I become a person who has started to be looked to, to actually for generating order and control amongst the average person. And then society collapses, of course. The Garibaldi comes in with the of a thousand. It all goes horribly wrong. Law and order can't happen, but it can happen now because I've started creating and joining together these small gangs of people into larger gangs, into bigger gangs, into bigger groups, into into militias, almost militias. Not quite. They're still just ordinary people, but they're better trained, better armed, and working together across multiple villages to keep the, the law down, to keep so law and order. If someone breaks the law, I want a cut of it. If someone does something horrific, I want them to be punished. So there are certain rules. What I'm basically creating before has ever been creating is a mafia. The proto there were no there was no mafia at this time. There was proto small groups, but no one had joined them together. It was only gonna happen in fifty or sixty years' time from this point. And I'm there well early. So basically 
I will model it on the modern day idea of the the mafia, like the Godfather type mafia, which mm-hmm. exists. And I will become Don Juan, and I will start. That once does whole- sound like someone who seduces ladies in bodices. <laughs> it does. It does. And I will start being a crime boss, but an educated one. So basically, my job will be to be the the hoity-toity crime boss who made sure that everyone was okay. So everyone will respect him and actually make sure that he's okay because he makes sure everyone else is okay as well. So whilst all of civilization collapses around us and Italy is created around us, Don Juan will be there for the average person. As long as Don Juan gets his beak wet, you can do what you like within reason. So I keep law and order, but I also make a lot of money. And that's how I would survive by creating the mafia in Sicily before anyone else did. So the science that you're taking back there to pimp your time is teaching. Is teaching and the movies of The Godfather. Godfather 2. <laughs> well done, well done. I look forward to seeing the telemovie novelization of that story. <laughs> History made you an offer you couldn't refuse. <laughs> All right, where are you sending me, cowboy? You, you are going to be sent to northern Australia, what is now Darwin, uh-oh. 47,000 BCE. Oh, shitballs. So 47,000 years before the Common Era, you have been sent back to what is now Darwin. There wouldn't be Darwin then. What is now considered the traditional Aboriginal land of the Larrakia people. I hope I said that right. Larrakia people. They may not have been there at this point. Maybe they were. But I'm just saying that is their, that's the traditional owners of what is now Darwin, so the Larrakia people. You have landed on their land 47,000 BCE in Darwin. Enjoy! What have you done to them, Gregoire? <laughs> <laughs> Walk of shame. Walk of shame, yes! This is where our listeners send in and tell us what we've d- done wrong and we get to serve our penance for it. That's right. I have one this time. I'm oh, very excited. Oh, good. Well, why don't I start off? Oh, okay, fine. Because I got a whole bunch. Oh, dear. But you'll like the first one because it's, it's, it's me realising that I'd made a mistake. Oh, okay. Um, you won't shame yourself. I said that the Futurama episode where someone says technically correct, the best kind of correct, was season one, episode nine. It was season two, episode 11. How Hermes okay. requisitioned his groove back. And I think it's the unofficial motto of our podcast. <laughs> it has become that. <laughs> And I should know better because I was a pretty big Futurama fan back oh, in the day. Futurama's, it's still amazing. It's still amazing. Oh, it's, no, it got terrible. Oh, it, look, yes, it did. It, 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 it went the way of all flesh. But, uh, but it, it has amazing quotable characters and lines and, and yeah, all sorts of interesting things. Yeah. I read a great article, but it was about how when we think of Captain Kirk, we're not thinking of Captain Kirk. We're thinking of Zap Brannigan. <laughs> so Zap Brannigan is so powerful in, in the mind's eye of everyone that we now retroactively change Kirk into him. And Kirk is not a womanizer. He's not a brash idiot. He, none of these things. These stories were amplified and then amplified again into Zap Brannigan, and they've been amplified again and put back onto Kirk. So it's an uberus. It's a really interesting article. Because hmm, a lot of those stories have nothing to do with an adventure hero going down to the surface and punching lizards in the face. It's not Flash Gordon. This was all no. about, oh, these, this is a parable for racial tension and, yeah. and left-wing thinking and such. 
and he tries to talk his way out of things. And yes, sometimes violence occurs, but he is tr- normally tries to go, hey, can't we talk about this? And then and then like, okay, and he has to kill it and always to fight. The other one about women, which I never realized, it's great, I should just send the article. He normally uses seduction when he's trying to get out of a situation. So he's not seducing because he wants to bed all the women, but he, basically the women like, are going to kill him. And he's like, well, why don't we bone instead? And they're like, oh, boning. That's... And so he's actually using it as a weapon. And sometimes against women who are seducing him to get him and use it as a weapon. Great he, big actually... primate penis. And it, it's and one it, of our best and tools. And, and it's, like, it's mostly a character. I didn't know this, but a character, a female baddie, gets angry at him because you never loved me. And he's like, well, you didn't love me. You were using me to get to the ship. I just used you to get back to my ship as well. And you're like, holy crap, he's actually a cunning, using a weapon. So he wasn't trying to get his end away. He just was trying to survive. Which I think is really interesting. So anyway, a walk of shame for Dan. This is from Dan, not from you, from Dan from Gulgong in New South Wales. In episode 122. Thanks Hi, for Dan. writing in. <laughs> so in episode 122, Dan, as in you, not Dan as in him. It's going to get confusing. Dan said sable hair paintbrushes come from Russian horses. Sables are actually a type of weasel. But the best brushes are Kalinsky sable hair brushes, which actually come from the Kalinsky or Siberian weasel, a different species of weasel again. Oh, wow. So, so they're not, so sable hair paint brushes are not horse hair. They're actually weasel hair and not normal weasel hair, but Siberian weasel, Kalinsky's. Ah, so they can you. be thank you, easily confused. Oh, oh, yep. oh. Yep. Going there. Ow. Your turn. Yeah, I have to edit that. I have to go back and listen to that again. I have to relive that horror. Okay, last time, last walk of shame, we were discussing the fact that you said that they were blue whales in a tank, and I said, no, they were humpback whales in a tank. The tank would have to be three times as big. And we were talking about tank experts and stuff. We were discussing this like whales in a tank was something that has happened outside of the Star Trek universe. Well, but no one's ever put a whale in a tank No one's ever put a whale in a tank. The, well, one sea world put a very small, I think a blue, uh, sorry, a, a grey whale in a tank, what? but it was very small. It was a baby, and they released it, so it was tiny. Like there are whales, there are there are false killer whales, and there are killer whales, and they're whales. Yep. But no one's put a proper big whale in a tank. They're just too big. They need too much room. Now you also said that the blue whales had actually bounced back the population yes. of blue whales, and I said that that was madness. Turns out you were right. There is oh. a population of blue whales in Calif- off the coast of California that have bounced back. They're the okay. only. They're the only population of blue whales that has. Oh, uh, but uh, they have, and that's a, that's a really good sign. So that's good to know. So I was technically correct, the best kind of correct. Yeah, why not? Sure. Yay! All right. Uh, so what's my next one? No, that's, that's all I've got. Yeah, I know. So your next one, and this is a good one. This is a good one. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. George Bell wrote in. He said, Greg mentioned about the alcoholic elephants, the elephants that would eat the fermenting fruit in order yes. to and seek it out in order to get a nice buzz, a nice alcoholic buzz. Yes, yes. Whilst there is anecdotal evidence of elephants enjoying alcohol, it's very unlikely that they eat rotten fruit deliberately to get drunk. Firstly, they uh-huh. eat fruit straight off the trees and avoid fruit on the ground, especially if it's rotten. Secondly, even if they did eat fermented fruit, it would take a lot of alcohol for them to feel the effect. There are estimates of like a gallon and a half of ethanol. It's also unlikely that they'd actually enjoy the experience. And so I had a bit of a closer look into this. Didn't I send you a video about this? You did. 
1984 study showed that they were happy to dr- the elephants were happy to drink a 7% alcohol solution, something they would never find in the wild, and several drank enough to alter their behaviour. Well, they didn't act drunk in human terms. They decreased the time spent feeding, drinking, bathing and exploring and became more lethargic. Several displayed behaviours that indicated they were uncomfortable or perhaps slightly ill. That's what drinking beer does. It makes you uncomfortable and feel slightly ill. That's exactly what it's for. I can't wait for this to be over so I can do that to myself. In order (laughs) for an elephant to get a sense of being drunk in the wild, it would need 1,400 well-fermented fruits to start getting drunk. 400% its normal feeding rate whilst not drinking any water whatsoever. Elephants sometimes eat the tree's bark, and this often contains beetle pupae, which contains a substance that local Africans historically used to poison their arrow tips. So it's theoretically possible that it could eat the bark and get sort of poison itself accidentally with bug, like poison bugs. Yes. But you pointed me in the direction of a video, a documentary of these. Of not only elephants, but boars and monkeys yeah, getting, and giraffes yep. and stuff. As a, a joke, it wasn't even it wasn't even trying to back up what I said in the podcast. I just found it amusing that yeah. I found this video, and it's amazing because yeah. they're they're all eating these fruit off the ground and then sort of yep. wandering around all giddy. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a video from a South African movie called Beautiful People. The animals didn't get drunk from the marula tree, but this story of drunken elephants is like 100 years old. And so this guy went out to film this behaviour, discovered it didn't exist or or didn't have time to wait for it to occur. And so he filled a bunch of food with alcohol and fed it to the animals and got them all shit-faced and then recorded. Oh, my goodness. This motherfucker wanker of a director. Basically, he's probably the same guy who worked at Disney and drove all those lemmings off a cliff. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So he just got them all munted. I look forward to talking to my dad about this because I, I heard originally, it must. it's just funny how anecdotes pass because my information comes from my father, who's South African, who tells me he saw this. So I'm going to have to go and question him now. Did he see it? Did he hear it from someone who saw it? You know what I mean? Mm. And the thing now. is, the thing is that even if he didn't see it, and he heard about it, he's, his memories may rewrite it in such a sense yes, that he yeah. goes, no, I've got a very vivid memory of that occurring, yeah. but it was yeah, actually yeah, yeah. a story from someone else. Because human brains are so dumb. And we get confused. And I remember his story was always how they, they would come in and push up against the, the struts of high buildings, like not buildings, but like houses on stilts. And people got annoyed because it would you know, damage the stilts, the wooden stilts of these houses. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's a true thing. I mean, I'm speaking for the, my father. I don't want to speak for him. I, don't, I have to ask him. But maybe that is true, but it doesn't mean they're drunk. It just meant they were trying to scratch their back or something. You know what I mean? Like, there could be lots of reasons. Or maybe it didn't happen. Who knows? Anyway, that's really interesting. Yeah. He's going to kill us you... both when he hears he this podcast, us, isn't He will it? kill us both in our He'll sleep. Like, how <laughs> dare you? You're calling me a liar. And yeah, then, boom, it's, anyway. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a plastic hose with a lead pipe in the center of it. <laughs> Are you going to call me out? Well, then we have to have a duel. That's the way we did it in the day. Oh, God. He would kill us both. But can I give one that's really interesting, the one that has been shown to happen? So there is one animal that does try to change its brain chemistry, yeah. and that is the dolphin. So the dolphin will actually use puffer fish. This has been shown in documentaries. So puffer fish, they actually get a, get a slight dose of a nerve toxin release from puffer fish, and they get slightly high on it. There you go. So uh, if I'm wrong about that, that's fine. I'll wear that one too. But there you go. So large I actually of read about that one too recently. Is, is it true? Oh, please tell um, me it's true. It might be, but it's a, it's not a slam dunk. The thing is with okay. those pufferfish is that toxin, it'll f***ing destroy you. 
yeah, is yeah. super powerful. It's like 40,000 times more powerful than human poisons or some crazy yeah. thing like that. So if these dolphins are trying to get that sort of contact high thing, they are playing with fire and trying to get such a tiny microdose. Are you trying to say that there, there might be slightly underdeveloped teenage mammals who take a substance that may damage their life forever just for a momentary high? It just seems That's completely crazy. unbelievable to me. Unbelievable. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Look, if that's totally wrong too, that'd be good to know as well. But, it, yeah, I'm intrigued by that. If you hear Greg say anything that's just wrong and you look it up and realise it's wrong, <laughs> please do email me, dan at smartenough.org. And invariably when Dan stuffs it up, puts his foot in his mouth and goes hopping around the room decrying nonsense, then you need to get in contact with the other guy, greg at smartenough.org, and I will rub his face in it and tell him he's a naughty boy. I love this part of the podcast. I always do. It's such a great part. Even when I disagree with them, I like arguing with the listeners. Sometimes when I go, no, balls, that's not right. I just, I just like calling them out and go, how dare you be right? <laughs> Make me look like a schmuck on my own podcast. You may remember in the last podcast, Dan, I started the podcast with a kind of a serious talk about how we don't live in a post-truth world, this concept that you know, everything's gone to hell in the handbasket. Oh, yeah, I just and skipped past that. It was so, <laughs> so down. Oh, my God. It was so down. It was so down. I'm just but here I, for the cock jokes, Greg. I, and I wasn't trying to – in fact, I was doing the opposite. I was trying to say don't be down. Evidence is not in the favour of everything. Everything's getting better. Uh, and people are still worried. And, and I'm not to cry. I've had people tell me that, you know, I'm sticking my head in the sand. And, and I accept all that. That's fine. I was just saying over long trends, things are looking up, not short trends. But I got an email from a listener, and I wanted to share this. I think it's important. And I just wanted to talk about the differences between rights and responsibilities. So please just go with me, uh, <laughs> listeners. I think it's important. All Here's right. the email. I, I've taken it all identifying information. The person's asked. I asked permission to read this email out. So I just got rid of everything. I could identify this person. So hi, Greg. I wanted to send you a quick thank you after listening to the latest SE2KB podcast where you spoke about how we don't actually live in a post-truth world and to remember that things are probably okay. It's actually made me feel a lot better than I have recently. Coincidentally, I almost messaged you a couple of weeks ago for advice. You always seem so positive and look on the brighter side of life, but I stopped myself because I realized we don't really know each other and you might think it's weird if I come to you with my problems, which is fair enough. Now, just to, to stop there for a moment, Listeners, if you want to email us and talk to us, if you're worried about something or you just want to have a chat to a human being, email me or email Dan even. Even though he's all grumpy, he like he likes people at the end of the day. He's fine. Dan likes people individually. I like you as a collective mass. So between the two of us, we'll, we'll be okay. So please don't feel that you're disconnected from the world. So basically, if they've got a single problem, they'll come to me. Otherwise, all of humanity will come to your door and be like, help, take us to the whiskey yeah, bar. Right. Exactly right. This person then writes on saying, I unfortunately been suffering from anxiety in recent months. And it wasn't until a friend asked me what was triggering it that I suddenly realized I had it since last November and everything to do with the President of the United States clearly freaking me out. I guess being a parent, I've become hyper-aware. So I guess being a new parent, I've become hyper-aware of how our world is currently and what type of world will be left for my child once I'm gone. So even though I'm still really worried, what you have said has calmed my mind a bit, so thank you for that. Hey, I'm, I'm so glad that's helped someone, that calmed someone down. It, I wasn't trying to paper over problems on the planet. I just was trying to say, 
it's not the end of the world, right? And I'm glad that, that it helps someone. It's important. But what, what I want to mention, why I'm mentioning all this again, is there's a difference between rights and responsibilities. For example, if you're an adult, you may have the right to drink alcohol, but you have a responsibility not to hurt someone else and not to harm yourself even. That, that's your responsibility. We give you the right then to have a responsibility. Driving a car. We give you the right to drive a car, but we as in society, you have the responsibility not to drive like a schmuck and not to kill anyone or even kill yourself. So rights and responsibilities. Here's the one that, that's going to get me in trouble to say. You have the right to free speech, but you have responsibilities as well. And I think about this every time we do a podcast. We have this right. And it is, I mean, the internet is now a human right. The UN says you should have the internet. Free speech is considered a human right, but you have a responsibility as well. And I'm talking to people who just click on things or forward things on Facebook, on social media without thinking about it, or have a big emotional reaction on Facebook. I'm not against emotion, no matter what people say about me. I'm not against emotion. I'm against destructive emotions for no reason. So when you are broadcasting on social media, and that's what you're doing, you're basically, every one of us is now a broadcaster on social media. You are actually have a responsibility not to terrify everyone around you. All I'm asking is when you forward something or write something, think about the impacts it's going to have. Are you trying to solve a problem or are you just telling everyone, I'm part of your leftist tribe, I'm part of your rightist tribe? If that's all you're doing, if all you are is a bird in a tree screaming, I'm a lefty or I'm a righty, maybe don't because... But how will I get clicks then? I need clicks, Greg. You don't get clicks by spreading nice stories. You get clicks by making people fear. That's, freaking yeah, them and out and going and that, just look out for those north koreans and their nuclear weapons that don't even take off yeah look or, out or for the, them or the how the trump dropped a nuclear bomb on no and and this is the stuff this is what he didn't do me. that because he didn't now, do that. now he, he didn't, didn't do that it didn't, didn't happen that. but that's the story that went round. yeah uh, yeah it's like so point you know how big it is it's like point zero zero two the size of that hiroshima bomb and it was yes. a targeted device by that had been in planning for months and months and months, not as a reaction to... Uh, no, the, the... and we have to... We, we don't want to go into politics. We don't want to go into the politics of it. I mean, we could talk about how the drone program under Obama killed lots of people. I'm, I'm not here to talk politics. I'm really not talking about... I don't want to talk about American politics. I'm not an American. I don't even want to talk Australian politics, and I'm an Australian. So I, I, we're not trying to offend people on the left or the right. I am now hyper-aware. I thought of this in my, in my mind before I got this email. Now I'm super aware. A human being has written to me to say that they're affected by the outcry and the rage put out by other people. That's not cool. And so all I'm asking is, you can have emotions. You can behave emotionally. This is fine and correct and good. But tie it to something. An emotion out of control is dangerous. An emotion tied to a course of action or tied to a philosophy that you're trying to help or maybe even you're trying to tell people in your local area, let's all band together to solve this problem, are good. An emotion that's just you yelling out of a window and screaming at the top of your lungs, ah! will terrify people and i just ask you to think about it that's your responsibility is to think before you use your right and you know how you get better at thinking practice and you know how you get better at practicing thinking by listening to exciting and upbeat podcasts that celebrate (laughs) the good things in life not wallow in the terrors this is right. So I won't, I won't do this all the time. Thank you, for, thank you for putting up with my rubbish here, listeners. I do appreciate it. And I'm amazed, Dan, you didn't end that with a cock joke. I am very proud of you. So uh, there you go. It's not over yet. <laughs> oh, no, it is. Hooray! Thanks, Dan. Thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you. No cock joke. Hooray! Uh, you have been listening to Dan at cock. Oh, damn it! Shit! Dang! 
<sighs> Dan <laughs> at smartenough.org. And the other voice is Greg at smartenough.org. Now, usually at this point, we would try to convince you to follow us and just basically uh, and subscribe on iTunes and all that sort of stuff and just blow a bunch of smoke up our ass. That doesn't yeah. work. That doesn't uh, work. Have you ever have you have you ever gone on iTunes after listening to a podcast and clicked on the little five star link? I had to me? force myself to do it. Yeah, you. I, I, I have done it. I have done it. So you're actually talking to me there. So I thought you were talking to listeners. Uh, yes, I have done it, but not as much as I should. Yeah, and I, I, I had to force myself to do it. That's not what our listeners want to hear. But we want to provide a, yet another service to you, our v- valuable listener. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to instigate this pay it forward moment of the podcast. Instead of trying to boy up ours and market our podcast, I'm going to market a different podcast and say, hey, you should go listen to this because it's got nothing to do with this podcast the podcast that we're doing it's a great podcast and this week this month i would like to point you in the direction of a podcast called eaten by a guru which is by our old friend carrington vanston and if you really like those old school text adventure games then you can listen to those guys talk about that greg do you have a podcast you would like our listeners to listen to i really enjoy one at the moment called reply all i really like reply all so it just talks about tech stuff and communication stuff and memes and yeah it's very very good so i think it's it's, it's worth looking into i really like their super tech support so someone writes in and says my phone got hacked how did that happen how did it ever stop and they actually spend resources and time and like weeks getting to the bottom of a big, big problem that everyone seems to have, which is kind of cool. That's not the only thing they do, but they're very good. Reply all. That sounds like fun. All right, so there you go. You don't have to go to iTunes. You don't have to like give us a re- review or nothing at all. Just if you like the sound of Reply All or Eaten by a Guru, plug them into your podcast program and have a listen. And as we always like to say... La, 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 spiders! I don't know what makes a podcast popular anymore. I, I can't even vaguely work it out. Kids these days. <laughs> it's not even that. It's, um, Why don't we it's just sit there and play a goddamn video game and scream at the top of our fucking lungs, shall we? I can say many things, Dan. You know it. Normally things that upset people and make people hate me for life. You know, that's, that's my modus operandi. Not for a while now, is it? Uh, it's pretty much everyone else on the planet irritates me more than you at this point. Oh, that's that's nice. That's always there. <laughs> I just have views. <laughs> well, no, I've, I've I've gotten rid of all them. You have no views? I'm now super beige. <laughs> you well, you care time. about something? Yeah, no, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> Oh, you think you you disagree? You think the other thing? Oh, both good points. Let's uh, let's have a beer, shall we? <laughs> Our washing machine it gets three quarters of the way through a, a wash, then starts beeping and displaying Klingon at us. <laughs> How was your week in science? My week in science has been fantastic. I had a really scientific week. You've stopped talking to the microphone. Oh, sorry, did I? Oh, I had a really scientific week. Okay. Hang on, let me find my science week. With the science week gone? Cut that bit out, sorry. Okay, sorry. I'll cut this bit out too. And this. And this bit. All this is cut. This is useless. Just wasting everyone's time.